0: What's up y'all, welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast, Tanner Dimling here with y'all as always, first and foremost, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the good stuff. And with that, at the time of recording this, we're just 28 days away from the start Of the college lacrosse season. Bellarmine-Mercer. January 29th. Is the first game of the year. Second year in a row. Those two programs. Have elected to play a January game. And look. I'm a fan of it. I'm a fan of January lacrosse. Um, In some instances. I don't want. Playing in snow and all that. But. You know, down here in the south when it's a bit warmer, go for it, man. Do do what you will, man. Play the games. We have no universal start date. Take advantage of it. Play as many games as you want. Heading into obviously the season starting this month, um, just 28 days away. Here on Cross Bucket on the lacrosse Bucket podcast, we are starting all. Conference-by-conference previews. Uh, We'll also have conference previews um, on lacrossebucket.com that you can also check out as well. Going alphabetically, so we start off things today with the ACC. Obviously, the ACC had a Hallmark year in 2021. Three of the four championship weekend teams hailed from the conference, and the conference housed the national champion for the second consecutive full season. You know, with the Ivy League returning, Big Ten coming back to a normal schedule, I think it's unlikely that we see the ACC have the kind of year that they did uh, last season. Uh, But I would still bet on the ACC being the best conference in college, Still, bet on them having one, two uh, representatives there on championship weekend. Possibly produce the national champion for the third consecutive season in a row. The ACC still loaded from top to bottom with talent. Looking back at how things shook out last year, we had Duke take uh actually Duke and Carolina North Carolina and Duke uh, took the ACC championship uh, remember the ACC has done away with their conference tournament at least for now um, that's still in place this year um, it looks like that's going to be you know, kind of going forward unless they get that sixth team um, as the ACC has no uh, automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Um, as they used to uh, when they did have six teams prior to Maryland's exit. So Duke-Carolina both shared the conference title last year. Notre Dame finished in third, Virginia in fourth, and Sarah Hughes ended the year as the fifth-best team in the conference. Duke-Carolina, Notre Dame, and Virginia all advancing to the... Uh, to the semifinals of the NCAA, Virginia winning the NCAA title for the second consecutive season. Turning our focus towards this coming season in 2021, um, Syracuse currently is the only team that has their schedule out at the moment, so we don't know exactly what the schedule ACC-wise is going to look like. Uh, but they do. Will, they will do that thing where they play. Um, some teams play each other twice. We're gonna see that again, um, and I expect we'll see that. Uh, you know, again another thing that we'll probably see until they get a sixth team in there. Um, Georgia Tech, NC State, Louisville. Um, anybody, please add or bring back or cross. Thank you. Um, Looking at teams this year, and and so here's how how I'm going to do this, and this is how it's going to be done uh, on every conference preview podcast. So go team by team, some points about each team, obviously, key departures, key returners, um, you know, and then some points about this team, you know, some big questions asked about each team, um, and then I'll go into my predictions for what the how this conference will shake out in 2022, um, and I'm also going to add in this year, um, and this is on the article as well. You can you can read this, and uh, my prediction for offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, and I'm also adding in a uh, transfer of the year as well, with the uh, transfer portal continuing to uh, you know change the landscape of college lacrosse um, on a year-to-year basis. Um, not as big this 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 past offseason as it was, obviously, the year prior, but uh, it, it, it is here to stay, and uh, it, it, it is absolutely lovely, uh, at least from my point of view. So let's get into previewing these teams here, and we'll start off going alphabetically. So starting things off in Durham, North Carolina with the Duke Blue Devils. Obviously, co-ACC champs a year ago, NCAA semifinalist. They lose uh, in rather disappointing fashion to Maryland to end the season. Uh, some big key departures here for the Blue Devils. Michael Sowers is gone at attack. Sean Lowry is gone at the midfield. And JT Giles-Harris. Is gone off of that defense, uh, which I think, you know, Jalos has obviously, in my opinion, is the biggest loss for this team. Um, however, this is a team that is, you know, no... no lack of talent. Um, Brennan O'Neill, Joe Robertson at the attack. Nakai Montgomery leading that midfield. Tyler Carpenter uh, probably... One of the better polls in, in 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 the ACC, I think he's massively underrated uh, for for the amount of an for the amount of impact he makes on a game to game basis. Kenny Brower at close defense, Mike Adler and Cage, and Jake Naso coming back at the faceoff dot after that stellar freshman season. Uh, we'll also see Sean Lowry, attackman from Penn, transfer in uh, to Duke. Grant Mitchell midfielder from Ohio State, transferring in. Jack Frazzoli, another midfielder out of Harvard, uh, grad transferring. Gavin Lindsay, short stick defensive midfielder out of Georgetown. And then Jack uh, Zukowski, a uh, SSDM out of Marist. Uh, those are the transfer additions that Duke has made. Now, mention here, Duke returns a lot. A lot. And they get in a lot. I think this offense is going to be pretty dang good again. Pretty dang good. I think this defense is probably, like, you don't have a Giles Harris. You don't have a Cade Van Rappelst. I think that's certainly significant that both of those, uh, two years now, both those guys are gone. I think that's significant, but when you look at a Tyler Carpenter, when you look at a Kenny Rower, I do expect this. Um, there's defense and and Wilson Stevenson is back as well. Uh, started the final nine games. If you remember, he had that, you know, horrific knee injury, um, there in the semi in the, was it the, uh, the quarterfinals, excuse me, against Notre Dame in 2019 sits out 2020 was out most of last year, comes back the final nine games and look was very good, was very good. So I expect this defense to be pretty formidable. Um, Max Adler and Cage, I'm confident that he can continue to be what he's been. Uh, Gavin Lindsay is a defensive midfielder that I really, really like what he did with the Hoyas, coming in now for a year with Duke. See if you can bolster that that rope unit there. Um, and I mentioned a guy, Tyler Carpenter. Play him wherever you want. LSM, close, it, it doesn't matter. He had 72 ground balls, 23 caused turnovers last year. The guy gets it done. Um, so I, I'm not worried really at all with this Duke defense. Now, I do want to see can things stay together, obviously, at that close um, defense spot without Giles Harris. I think that is certainly a big, big loss. Uh, but I'm confident they can still be a top 20 unit despite that big loss there. And a big part of that is you return guys like Adler and Cage, who just anchors this thing as as good as anyone can. And a guy like Carpenter and, and, and Brower, who have that experience. You know, similarly at the faceoff dot, I'm not worried really at all. Uh, this is the one spot actually where I have no hesitation at all for, for Duke. Jake Nerso. He's gonna get the job done. We know that. Um, and then look, you look at the attack spot, like on turning all attention to offense here. You return a lot from last year. Brennan O'Neill, Joe Robertson, Nakai Montgomery. It you know, at the same time though, like it's hard to say what exactly this offense will be. Um, if they play Sean Lowery right and can figure out a consistent first midfield, and i got to mention this, Duke started nine different variations of a midfield line last season. They get that right. They play Sean Rory right. Don't do, the, do any of this kind of gimmicky stuff or whatever that they did with Michael Sowers a year ago. I think this can be a pretty consistent unit. But the, the, the thing is, they were not consistent. They were not consistent last year. We saw them early season really get hot. They 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 really, you know, hit hit the ground running in February and March. And but by the time they got to really to ACC play, you're playing some tougher defenses, obviously. They played some tougher teams early in the season as well. Uh, you know, Denver being the most notable there. But you get into ACC play, you're playing some tougher teams. And, you know, this is a team that was, I mean, I think, what, two or three of their ACC wins were, um, yeah, they were four and two in the ACC. I think, what, two of those wins were by one goal. Um, and so this was a team that was barely getting, not say barely getting over the hump, but, you know, th- there was some hesitation there. There was inconsistencies with that offense. If they can figure that out, like, they have all the talent in the world. They have all the talent in the world. Figure it out, get consistent on offense, especially at at the midfield spot. I think certainly um, this is a Duke team that can and will make it back to, to championship weekend, and, you know, no questions asked. Moving, you know, staying on Tobacco Road, moving to Chapel Hill, With the North Carolina Tar Heels. So. um, This is. if, If you were to go. You know. Time travel to May of 2022. And Memorial Day weekend. And you come back. And you tell me. Tanner. Every team. That made championship weekend. A year ago in 2021. Is there. Except for one team. And remember. It was Virginia, Duke, Carolina, and Maryland in championship weekend. If you told me all those teams will make it, except for one, I would say, oh, Carolina doesn't make it. And that's not a knock on Carolina. This is a good team. But this is a team with a... Just wildly amount of questions. A plethora of questions surrounding this team. William Perry gone. Tanner Cook gone. Justin Anderson gone. That's your entire first midfield. And that's a, a midfield full of veterans as well. Like it's not like you had a sophomore that transferred out or whatever. That is fifth year guys, those are seniors. Graduating. And outside of those guys, as well as a guy like Alex Trippy, Brian Cameron, who played kind of both attack and midfield at times last year as you know, secondary guys, um, role players, we didn't see much else at the midfield besides Paley, Cook, and Anderson. Like really, we did not. Will Bowen is also gone on defense. That's a big loss. He's now at Georgetown. Best defense in the country. Even better with him. So, like, yes, Chris Gray is back. Jacob Kelly is back. Nikki Solomon is back. I think that's probably the best attack unit in the ACC. One of the best attack units in the country. Okay? No questions asked. Matt Wright is back at L- at LSM. Connor Mall is back. At the short stick defensive midfield spot. You get in a guy like Dominic Pryor. Another defensive midfielder. Transfer out of Hofstra. You bring back Colin Krieg in Cage. You bring back Zach Tucci. As well as Andrew Tire. At the face off dot. Best one two punch in the ACC right there. Like you have really really good pieces. At these different spots really good pieces at attack really good piece really good rope unit there on defense and I do think defense is overall is probably going to be the strength at least in the middle of the field as they rode like nobody's business last year, especially that attack unit and they were the seventh best clearing team in the nation and with Marlback, back with Pryor coming in with right back, I think that rope unit should be strong once again. But in Colin Krieg obviously is gonna do his thing in the cage. He had a fantastic freshman season. You know, I you know, I don't think he's you know, I don't see him, you know, faltering. But as far as this Carolina midfield goes and this Carolina close defense unit goes. I want to see them play a few games before I really pass any judgment on them. Because this is gonna be a very green team at those two spots. Attack is fine. Okay, face off is fine. Goalie is fine. Your, you know, midfield defense and what you can do in between the boxes with those guys is crucial. And I think if they can continue to do that, that could maybe, those success there could outweigh maybe any shortfalls they have on the back end at close with their poles and at the midfield spot. Because if you can just go downfield, get the ball to Chris Gray, get the ball to Nicky Solomon, get the ball to Jacob Kelly, I think, you know, we all know maybe, what, eight times, nine times out of ten, that's probably going to end in either A, the ball in the back of the net, or B, a really, really good opportunity, really good shot opportunity. So, like, and by the way, no team can ever lean solely on one position group to get the job done at either end. And and that's where this hesitation for me is coming in with North Carolina. I still think... I think if they're able to put all these things together, and they have a really good freshman class coming in, Chase Mullins, another really good face-off guy, uh, who even just continues to bolster that face-off unit, Um, as well as a couple other guys. You you got another um, Kelly brother in there uh, who who was a freshman last year. See how, if he moves up any in in the pecking order there offensively. A lot of young guys in there, so if they can put all these things together, heck yeah. This is a championship weekend team. If they can't, you know, I still think they will probably the. I mean, they, they, they're probably still a really good team. They, 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 I don't think they're going to have a losing record. But, and they could still probably make the NCAA tournament. Uh, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see on that. We'll, we'll have to see exactly how far they can go. Moving on to. The Notre Dame fighting Eilish this is the one team in the ACC that I would tell y'all really, really watch really watch Notre Dame closely this was a team last year that was a go away from going to championship weekend and this was a team last year that a lot of people were saying this is the best team that Notre Dame has had. And like. I very much agreed with that sentiment. This was a good roster. Up and down. Back and forth. No matter how way. You know, which way you looked at it. This was one of the best rosters. In college lacrosse last season. And you lose a lot of those guys. Will York. Jack Kilty. Kyle Thornton. Kyle Gallagher. I mean. Top midfielder. Your best two poles and your off, man. You also lose Char- Charlie Leonard at the face off dot as well. But, and they didn't go as heavy. They they went heavy in the portal, but they didn't go as heavy in terms of, you know, big-name guys. Matt Federaca, midfielder, Bucknell. Mike Hawkins can play both attack or midfield out of Colgate. Um, and then I think probably the two biggest gets for them defense um, out of the transfer portal, Matt Douglas and Jason Reynolds uh, there out of Lehigh and Richmond, I think can just come in and immediate impact players uh, on that defense, which um, it's a defense that is kind of, I don't want to say it's a full-on reload because you do return Liam Intamin. You do return um, Arden Cohen, right, on, on defense and in and, cage and there with Intamin and uh, and Cohen, and you also have some younger guys who lost Bergmaster who could possibly, you know, step up there as well. So this is a pretty solid defense. And, look, what if we always talked about with Notre Dame? Defense, defense, defense. Um, I think that's probably still going to be the case. And when you get guys like a Jason Reynolds and a Matt Douglas in there who've been very successful at their prior stops, they have that experience, they can come into the ACC, and they can play ball. Like, they can play ball, they can work hard, um, they can be leaders on this unit. So I'm not exactly worried. I actually think this Notre Dame defense is still going to be pretty freaking good um, coming into the season. Um, And certainly offensively, I'm not really worried at all either. Uh, Pat freaking Cavanaugh, the walking highlight reel himself, is back, and I, I would assume, um, along with a guy we just mentioned with, you know, Carolina, Chris Gray, I, I think would probably probably be uh, coming in the season, regarded as maybe the best offensive player in the ACC, uh, regarded as a again a um, a 12 time uh, finalist. You have Griffin Westland coming back uh, to join him. There as well. So... Um, no, n- not not only really many worries there. Um, Wheaton boys also back... Um, at the midfield. As well as Eric Dobson. Quinn McCann. I do think this Notre Dame midfield. We saw them last year. Really make a lot of strides. Um, and I do think that probably probably, this Notre Dame midfield is the best in the ACC. Uh, though certainly, from what I've seen, and this is based on last year, the most athletic in the ACC, um, and we saw them go toe-to-toe with Syracuse and, and that midfield. Um, so I do think that could very well be the case again. And w- with with such a good unit there, as well as what you have in a Pat Kavanaugh, uh, they're running the show. I mean, this is going to be an offense that's going to be hard to beat. Um, I mentioned defensively, I'm a big fan of what they've done in the portal um, and and what they bring back in Arden Cohen. Um, and then also some of the younger guys I mentioned, right? So this is a, this is a Notre Dame team that's going to be good. Um, the biggest question for me is faceoff dot. And that that really is. Really is. Lose Kyle Gallagher, lose Charlie Leonard. Like they can be good offensively. They can be defensively. But can they possess the ball off the face off die? And in today's game, that is such an important attribute. Uh Colin Hagstrom and Colin uh Almida are the only two returners at the position. Almeida you no, know, only saw action. Um last season goes five for ten and three appearances, right? You bring in a freshman like Will Lynch, um, you know, we'll see what he can do. Uh but, you know, you know and short, you know, this will be a stark contrast at the position after what this team had had a year ago. So if they can figure out the face off dot, I mean sky, sky is, you know, probably the limit. and if that defense works out the way I, I think it will, sky's the limit for Notre Dame. Syracuse. Welcome to the Gary Gate era Syracuse men's lacrosse. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, last season, obviously, not a good one for Syracuse. And hey, they made the NCAA tournament, but you know, 7-6, and six, everything that surrounded that program last year. Um... John Des- John Desco retiring at the end of the year. Um, but that's old news. That's old news. We're focusing now. You have a, an all-star staff, Gary Gate, Dave Petromala, Pat March, and you've got some talent coming back on this team. Owen Hiltz, Tucker Dordovic, Brendan Curry lead this offense. They really do. Uh, Owen Hiltz obviously... was one of the best freshmen in the country last year. Uh, 48 points, 29 goals, 19 assists, leader of this offense, Tucker Dordovic, Brennan Curry, bring that veteran leadership back at the midfield. Um, And, hey, this is going to be pretty, just those two guys alone, going to be a pretty decent midfield unit again, um, as we've seen in, in, in recent years with Syracuse. Um, the biggest question for me, and, and I have no, like, obviously you lose a guy like Stephen Rafis, Jamie Tromboli is huge. Um, but I, I, I think with Pat March there and the, kind of the consistency remaining on offense, I don't really have any questions about Syracuse offense. I think this is, th- this offense has one heck of a core, and if they can build around that, I I have no, no problem saying that they could There could be a top 15 unit, top 20 unit this year if they really wanted to be with the core that they would turn. Defensively, it's a different question. This was an absolute terrible defense last year. Um, And look, you had good players. Mitch Wyckoff was a good player. Peter Durth at the defensive midfield spot was a good player. Drake Porter in cage was a good player. But overall, this was a defense that was freaking terrible. They were awful. And I've said it on here before. I always go back to that Carolina game. And that's really the game where I think people, they got blown out. It was like 20-something to 9. And that's the one game where I look back at and I'm like, man. Like, I am watching that. And I was like, man, Syracuse really is awful um, defensively. And, like, th- th- there's that one play. And I think this is the play where they basically gave up. You have Chris Gray on the wing, nobody around him, just stings the back of the cage. Poor Drake Porter has no support. Um, You know, one of the better goalies in college lacrosse, um, you know, has nobody in front of him that can do anything. You know, rotations are terrible, and you you just have a guy like Chris Gray just wide open, open season on the cage. I mean, come on. Come on. And that's exactly why they're 54th nationally, last in the ACC in scoring defense last year. They allowed 14 goals per game. 14. Okay, if it was 10, I'd say, oh, yeah. no. If it was 10 and you had maybe a 15-goal a game that you also had like 12 or so you know, you had high-scoring games, whatever, oh, that's fine, right? It's today's game. But you allow 14 goals a game in the ACC, that's just not going to cut it. So, you know, Dave Petromala, man, you got a lot on your hand. Now, I do think there are some talented players back on this team, though, defensively. When you look at Grant Murphy, when you look at Nick DiPietro, who's back after, you know, he suffered that injury last year, he's back, right? Um, and then this this get they just got in cage, Bobby Gavin. Bobby Gavin was a really good goalie last year in the games that he played at Virginia. We saw him have a pretty good fall, which included that um, performance he had over, I think, was it Team USA, as well as uh, Team Canada. So, you know, after that freshman season he had, well, I think he started, what, two games in there when Alex Rode was out. and played pretty well in those games. Um, also, I think he played the one game against um, Army. And what do you have, like 12-something saves in there? Um, I don't have the stats up right now. But played pretty pretty good, um, what I'm trying to get at here. So bringing him into Syracuse, I'm very excited to see what he does there. Uh, very excited. And then <clears throat> no, lastly, on, on the defensive end, Brandon uh, Aviles, the top returning uh, defensive midfielder, had a solid freshman campaign last year. Um, simply put, this is going to be a younger Syracuse team at some places, and that's another one there. Uh, Aviles back uh, for his sophomore season um, after a solid uh, freshman campaign, 14 ground balls, six cars, turnovers, see if he can do it again. Uh, Faceoff dot, Jacob Fopp. Um you know pretty confident what, what he can do. I mean, he went toe to toe with Petey LaSalle and Virginia and absolutely blew them away. Um, a couple, uh, at least not one performance. I, I know I can't remember if it was the second one that he did as well or not, but uh, certainly he's been a good player there for Syracuse at the dot. So, a lot of newness, some questions, obviously, defensively. Serious questions there about if they can improve. Uh, But, you know, Gary Gate is heading things now up there, and I think uh, the the momentum that this Q's team has coming in the season has to be uh, pretty high. Turning our focus now, uh, last team to talk about here in the ACC, the defending, the back-to-back defending national champion, Virginia Cavaliers. Um, no team has shown how to get hot in May better in recent years than the Virginia Cavaliers. And really, despite losing quite a bit off last year's squad, this is still one of the more formidable teams on both ends in college for Class. Um, and, and let's start here offensively. Connor Schellenberger exploded last season and is now the face of this Cavaliers offense. Matt Moore is back. Uh, for his fifth year, Peyton Cormier also um, returning there, I believe what is he a junior now, um, you know, joining in there. That's a heck of a core offensively um, for an offense that ranked third uh, in scoring offense last season. Um, they could very ma- well man- maintain their spot as a top five, top ten unit on that end in 2022 with a guy like Cormier back. With a guy like Matt Moore, um, you are obviously going to miss the Doc and the Ian Laviano, the Charlie Bertrand. But <clears throat> with those guys back as that core, this just still a pretty, pretty solid offense. You have a lot of guys returning. You get in a freshman like Griffin Schutz, who I expect to play, um, you know, wherever they put him, I I, I expect to see a significant amount of time from Griffin Schutz um, here as a freshman, big kid. If you've never seen him, very, very big is how I, w- I would explain it. Um, very big, can, you know, back you down, can, you know, gets what he wants. Um, so a lot of positivity on offense, even with some of those losses. Um, defensively, you get back a guy like Cade Sostad, a um, uh, First of all, talk about these losses first. So, Jared Connors, gone. Alex Road gone. Kyle College, gone. Those are three big losses. LSM, goalie, close defense. Big losses. Connors, Road College, all gone. But, but you return Cole Kastner, Scott Bauer, and Ked Sawstat. That is a pretty solid, uh group of returning poles at close and, you know, make, make makes up a group with a ton of potential, right? Um, and then also, Grayson Saleh looks to be a leader um, of that rope unit. I know we've seen some freshmen in the fall play at that short stick defensive midfield spot, so we'll see how that turns out. You know, this is a Virginia team, much like we talked about with Carolina, <clears throat> that rides very well and that owns them in between the boxes. They own the middle of the field. I I still think they're going to be able to do that this year as well. It's kind of caked into that identity of this Virginia team. In Cage is where I have the question. We just talked Bobby Gavin transferring. He transfers because it looks like highly rated freshman Matthew Nunes is going to get the start in Cage. And he's got some very big shoes to fill. Um following behind Alex Road there. So, Matthew Nunes, likely the starter in cage in Charlottesville. Um, we've seen Virginia go to freshman and goals in goal before um, and ha- have success. I think they're going to be able to do it again. Uh, Matthew Nunes is an under All-American guy, uh, you know, out of the woodlands down there in Texas. A very, very good high school player. Uh, who I thinks gonna translate very well to the college game obviously already has um at least in the fall. We'll see what he does here in the spring uh, but you know th- th- this defense is where I would say I you know, probably m- more so than, anyth- than, than it, more so than anything uh the depth on both ends for Virginia is where I maybe question some things because a lot of these guys we haven't seen a ton of but I think still you look two three uh, you know you look at you too deep. I think this is still a pretty solid team. Um, but you get to that third that third line whatever. How do those guys you know mix in? I, I think that depth is one area where, based off and compared to the rest of the ACC, Virginia might be a a, a bit younger and a bit more, less experienced than, say, a team like Duke. But I think, you know, on the surface, that top-tier talent, those starters, those, you know, uh, you know top reserves, I think is, is still very, very good here uh, in Charlottesville. Obviously, Pete Lasala returning at the phase-off dot. Uh, 62% last year, finished 12th nationally and face-off one percentage. Um, that's a guy that you can count on day in and day out. We mentioned with Syracuse, uh, Petey Lasala did run into some tough times against them, did run run into some tough times uh, last season, but overall still one of the best in the country. Moving on here to our final segment, 2022 ACC predictions. Um, so this is how I see the ACC shaking out this year, as well as my picks for the conference's Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. I also added in a Transfer Player of the Year to predict who will be the most impactful transfer. So um, first and foremost, predicting the ACC is always tough. Um, The margins between these teams are are laser-thin year in and year out. And honestly, if this thing's completely flipped, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Uh, that's the ACC. Um, however, <clears throat> I am confident in saying that uh, Virginia and Duke, at you know, coming in as things say right now, I think are probably the most complete teams in the ACC, which is why I have Virginia at number one and Duke at number two as my predicted you know, final standings here, Duke, uh, Virginia 1, Duke 2, I have Notre Dame 3, Carolina at 4th, and I have Syracuse at 5th. I feel like Notre Dame, Syracuse, and UNC are maybe a few steps behind uh, Duke and Virginia at the moment, and do have some more major questions uh, there with those teams. Um, But overall, I think really ACC this year is going to be – I don't think they'll have a hallmark of a season as they did last year, but this is still one of the best conferences, if not the best conference in college lacrosse. Um, So my predictions, Virginia 1, Duke 2, Notre Dame 3, and then Carolina and Syracuse to round out their – fourth, and fifth in the ACC. Who I'm predicting as the offensive player of the year is uh, pretty easy, Chris Gray, Attackman, North Carolina. Um, This one came down to Gray and uh, Pat Cavanaugh. I think the two best players there offensively, Connor Schellenberger also looked at him for this, but I think Chris Gray, with him being a fifth-year guy, uh, coming back uh to Carolina, I, I I just think he he takes the cake on that one. Uh defensive player of the year, Arden Cohen, uh out, out of defenseman out of Notre Dame is who I'm picking for that one. Um just he's been so impactful and and we talked about this defense and uh you know a minor reload uh that they're doing there. So um I you know I am pretty confident that Arden Cohen will will be one of the best defensive players in the ACC and, you know, get that Defensive Player of the Year award or at least be in the conversation there. Uh, Tyler Carpenter, I think, is another guy uh, that could also be in discussion there as well as a guy like Cade Sostad if he really steps up his game. Um, and, And there's a number of guys, obviously, that could be in that conversation for either of those spots, <clears throat> and then my transfer of the year, I'm going with Sean Lolly, attackman out of Duke, out of Duke from Penn. Um, Sean Lolly, one of the best players at Penn over the past few seasons, coming in, into Duke. I, uh, you know, you know, God willing, that Duke plays him correctly, and and he's healthy and all that most um, stays healthy, you know, I think he's the most impactful transfer in the, in the ACC. Um, you know, uh, Duke needs that ex-attackman. He can provide that ex-attackman type style of play. Uh, also plays well above the cage. So I uh, think very, very good pickup there for uh, the Duke Blue Devils, obviously. And I uh, do see him winning. Um, do, do you think he'll be the most impactful transfer of the year? That is it for today's episode as we previewed the ACC. We'll be back tomorrow um, with a preview of the America East Conference. We'll also be previewing the Atlantic Sun The Big East this week as well. Big Ten, CAA, Ivy, Mac, NEC, Patriot, SoCon, all coming up in the following weeks. As always, thank you all for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, great rest of your day, and uh, college lacrosse season. It's right there, right there around the corner. Make sure you're tuned in to com on social media at lacrossebucket, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you very much.